This podcast is presented by Solving Kids Cancer, dedicated to improving survival through novel clinical studies. To learn more about funding opportunities, visit our website at solvingkidscancer.org and click Apply for Grant. This week in Pediatric Oncology, the podcast about new advances for childhood cancer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 66, recorded on June 16th, 2017. I'm your host today, Ryan Roberts, from Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio, affiliated with The Ohio State University. I'm here along with my co-hosts. Actually, I don't have any co-hosts today. It's just the two of us today. And today on Tweepo, I'd like to welcome our guest, uh, Ronnie George from Boston. Thank you. If you have any questions or comments about today's podcast, even if you're listening to it a long time from now, please feel free to email email us at tweepo at solvingkidscancer.org. We'd be happy to read your email and discuss it in a future episode. So, Ronnie, it was great to hear your uh, lecture today here at Nationwide Children's. You've done a lot of great work in uh, delineating some of the underlying biology in neuroblastoma and, and some really cool work showing ways that we can exploit that uh, in treating cancers. Now you've been at this for a little while, so tell us a little bit about what got you into the field studying neuroblastoma. I was always interested in, well, the whole idea of understanding cancers or understanding the mechanisms of why a cancer was composed of cells that uh, proliferated, you know, rapidly. So I guess my main interest in cancer, you know, I grew up in West Africa, and there were a lot of kids with Burkitt's lymphoma there. You would find, you know, that, you know, you would have a kid with, you know, big mass on the jaw, and, you know, as they respond really quickly, um, the next day you come and you see that, it, or in a couple of days that it all melted away, you know, that, you know, sometimes you wouldn't even see that with, a like, a osteomyelitis even, you know, mm-hmm. it takes months of treatment. So that kind of intrigued me. And then when I moved to England because of the Civil War there, you know, and I was training in pediatrics, one of my first uh, rotations was in pediatric oncology and so that really you know the the sort of the the questioning and the sort of desire to find a cure and even the sort the the intensity you know all appealed to me as a field um and you know it was you know one of the few diseases for which really there hadn't been you know, there's so much more to learn, and cancer is one of those that we haven't really cured. Uh, so that's what kind of appealed to me. Uh, it feels kind of like the more we know, the more yeah. we recognize that we don't know, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good job, security for us. Yeah, that's right. Right. But we, but we, we go translating those things into yeah. things that help our patients yeah. little by little, right? Yeah, yeah, sometimes, absolutely. Sometimes with big steps. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, that's the ultimate hope. I also, I do think that, you know, one really needs to understand the biology of the tumor. Like the major breakthroughs were 
happened after years and years and years of research, like the vac polio vaccines and all mm-hmm. of those things. And I and I do think, although sort of trying to get testing a drug and seeing that it works and you know, that might be the motive, you know, to have short-term accomplishment. I really do think that if we don't really understand the biology, we wouldn't know what to do when the drug doesn't work, you know. And cancer cells are so, I find, they're so uh, smart and devious in finding ways to overcome any kind of, you know, drug that you throw at them. So that's, a you know, my strong feeling. Yeah, so. I agree. I think, you know, it's interesting when we look back at history how so much of so much progress happened early with the advent of what we call chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Although one could argue that that's just one kind of targeted therapy, right? Mm-hmm. But we kind of reached we've kind of reached a limit where just trying something new is yeah. going to give us something. We've kind of reached a place where we really need to be thoughtful. Yeah. In the way that we approach treating the cancers. And also, there's like. So much more, you know, to learn, I think, about cancers because, like, for example, the new things that are emerging is what's the role of the tumor microenvironment? Mm-hmm. I don't think, like, you uh, know... You're speaking to my heart. I know. People that, you know, we never even, like, considered that before. Mm-hmm. And now we have, we, you know, we now realize that this is, you know, of course, this could be a... And it seems obvious now, of course, this could have a major impact on how the tumor yeah. behaves. Definitely. And then why does, why do tumors metastasize to yeah. some organs and not others? I think these are really important yeah. questions that need to be solved. Why is one tumor cell so much different from another tumor cell, yeah. even within the same tumor? Yeah. And, and what makes them that way? It's just, it's very complicated. Sometimes I wonder, do we know as much about normal cells as, <laughs> you know, and, and what goes on, like, in you know, so for example, muscle cells or skin cells or, you know, normal or brain cells as compared to the effort we put in to study mm-hmm. the cancer cells, you know? Much of what we know about how normal cells function has come from right. the study of cancer, right? Exactly. I also think it's really important that we have the right type of models to study, especially in pediatrics, especially when you have relapsed tumors. Mm-hmm. It's really important that we get biopsies to study mm-hmm. because we know, you and I know that someone who relapses, I mean, their tumor is completely different from whatever was there at diagnosis that you used to, to diagnose the disease. So, so, so basing any kind of relapse therapy based on what you find in the diagnostic sample, it just doesn't make sense at all. And I think that it might not be such a big problem in adult cancers, you know, getting relapse samples, but in pediatrics, especially for the solid tumors, I think that is like a fundamental need, really. Yeah, you know, I think I think maybe we as doctors have a lot of have a lot more reservations about doing those kinds of things than our patients. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Right. <laughs> I, yes. My personal experience has been that when you present both, I, I think one thing that's changed recently is that we have by doing biopsies and and doing some more sophisticated study at relapse, we really do at this point in time have things that we can offer our patients mm-hmm. that may help them. Yeah. 
And I think that has changed the calculus a little bit. Yes. But, um, uh, but we need to ask our patients for things like that more often. Well, I, I find, you know, our patients are very willing and the parents yeah. are very willing, of course, but it's just uh, very hard to get through IRBs. Yeah. You know, who may or may not be in touch with what really <laughs> goes on. Yeah. Um, you know, and for them, it's so, patient has to undergo another procedure and have anesthesia. So that might be, you know, more onerous, etc. But I think um, more education is required in that sense. I think we're getting there. Yeah. I hope so. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Yes. Right? Well, the other alternative, I guess, would be to develop methods to study, you know, the circulating tumor DNA. But that doesn't really solve the problem of, you know, studying the tumor mm-hmm. microenvironment. As you very elegantly showed, so many of these changes in our cancers have nothing to do with the sequence of the DNA. Right. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. And, and we can get the sequence of the DNA yeah. from our circulating tumor DNA, yeah. but that may not tell us what we need oh, to know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You, always, you know, for some reason, I'm always confusing circulating DNA with circulating tumor, tumor cells. Tumor cells, <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. So, yes, yeah, so I, I, I realize they're completely different things yes what do you love about the work that you're doing right now what are you excited about yeah specifically or i find all our all my research is very (laughs) exciting i really do (laughs) so it's hard to say you know one is less exciting than others i think i'm kind of fortunate in that if i feel it's not exciting i probably Mm -hmm. wouldn't want to work on it anyway you know i'm excited about some of the resistance mechanisms we're seeing mm-hmm. and the fact that, you know, we're going beyond conventional methods of resistance and trying to uncover new, uh, new roles of, uh, new, new mechanisms of resistance. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. The other thing is, you know, we're very fortunate to have collaborators who are medicinal chemists. So, you know, testing new drugs, but I really like using these very selective inhibitors to understand the underlying biology and to use these as a, as a tool. If the drug was to be developed, that would also be a really good thing too yeah. for the patients. I went to a meeting with one of our foundations um, who had invested a very significant amount of money in, into research and and you've probably been to similar in, in your own field where they asked us, why haven't we done more, mm. right? After all that we've invested, why haven't we done more? Yes. And so I, th- I think it's easy for I think it's easy for us to see opportunity and possibility. And maybe it's easy for our families not to see that and yeah. to see f- the failures, yes. which, for which there are many. What do you say to parents that, uh, that feel like progress is short in coming? I mean, I is there reason for hope? Oh, of course, there's there's always reason for hope. The fact is, I think that it's not just you know the the reasons. It's not just like one issue per se. You know, that's I think impeded the progress or why there's like not more drugs out there or more most uh, therapies. I think one of it is you know the complexity of the tumor for sure that has to play a part. You know. I don't believe that we have even reached, I mean, we're learning more and more about the tumors 
and about cancers, um, especially because now with the advent in not even cancer research, but other technology research, there's so many uh, more sophisticated instruments and ways of looking at the different ways that cancers evade treatment, so many more than like 20 or 30 years ago, yeah. or even 10 years ago. You still need even more fine instruments. You really need to learn more about the tumor. So that's one of the issues. <clears throat> it's a matter of, again, other issues. So, for example, general funding climate. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you take pediatrics, any grant that goes to a general funding organization that doesn't, that focuses on, on all cancers and you, you know, have your little pediatric tumor, which mm -hmm. affects so neuroblastoma, 650 to 700 new patients in the United States per year mm -hmm. compared to lung cancer yeah. or colon cancer, breast cancer. Breast cancer. I mean, of course, you know, they're going to fund, you know, the massive general, you know, that that majority subgroup. But, I mean, I think that, you know, it's really from pediatric cancers that one has gotten a lot of information. So, for example, the NMIC gene, you mm -hmm. know, that was identified in the early 80s, 83, 84. And it really was like one of the first oncogenes that was used to stratify treatment. That mm -hmm. came from pediatrics. And pediatrics, like, you know, has brought many firsts in terms of biology and really learning about the cancer. And so that's why I think that a lot of funding from various agencies or federal ought to be, you know, and rather than considering us like a poor relation or an orphan, that, you know, people need to be in the mainstream of, um, of, of the funding. The other is exactly the paucity of samples or two of patients. That in itself is a good thing, but on the other hand, it's not such a good thing because, you know, it limits the number of samples that we have. So, for example, you might ask, you know, why aren't there enough cures for uh, relapse disease? Okay, we could play in the lab all we want with mm -hmm. cell cultures and mice and whatnot, but ultimately the question is, will it work in a human being? Mm -hmm. So many, so often, so many drugs have been tested they have passed the cell culture stage, the mouse stage, you know, we've been involved in a lot of studies, and then when they come to the patients, they failed for, for yeah. no reason at all. So it's not for lack of trying in that sense. And... And we should know, too, that we've had successes. Yeah, of right? course, we've had successes. I mean, one of the most fulfilling things I, I, I know... I was on service a couple of weeks ago, and we had a patient come in very sick. Um, and after all of the workup and preparing the family for the worst, I was able to tell them, and for this cancer, you take a pill, oh. right? <laughs> yes. And this will bring you back to a normal life yes. for a very, very, very long time, if not forever. Yes, right? yes. And 
We have more of those oh, with each passing year. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And pediatric tumors in general tend to be more responsive than um, adult tumors apart, you know, and we have this minority that we're working very hard, you know, that to understand the ones that are, you know, metastatic in yeah. the relapses. So I, th I think with time, with yes. some patience and with some funding. Yes. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll make more and more of these cancers, those that you take a pill for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and more collaborative efforts, yeah. I think, are very important. I agree. In such a small field as ours. We all need to talk to each other. Well, as the cancer, as we understand more and more and realize how complex the issues are, the more we need multiple people with different brains yeah. to be thinking about them. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's a pleasure talking to you today. Well, thank you for having me. It looks like that's it for this week. Thank you to the team at Solving Kids Cancer, a nonprofit charity d dedicated to improving survival through creating novel treatment options for children. The team includes Donna Lewinsky, our executive producer, and Cindy Campbell, director of communications. Thanks also to Scott Kennedy and John London, who are founding co-directors of Solving Kids Cancer. Remember, the more we learn, communicate, Share ideas and work together. The faster we'll reach the day when all childhood cancer is preventable or curable. As always, keep up the fight, and thanks for listening to This Week in Pediatric Oncology.